for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for your people this morning. Well, God, I thank you for your presence more than important than anything else, Lord, that you do for us. We thank you and we love you, God. Bless this lesson this morning as Brother Miller teaches us and disciple us, oh God, that we may grow thereby. We pray for those that are sick again this morning, God. I pray for Brother and Sister Bell. God, keep your hands upon them, Brother and Sister Eastman, Lord God, all our elders this morning. Touch each and every one. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Brother Miller. Praise the Lord, everyone. As always, good to be in the house of God. Good to be with the people of God. Excited about what God is doing and in great anticipation for what he's going to do. So he's kept us another week. And we are here today because of his grace and his mercy. And I'm glad about that. Amen. Continuing our lesson, the main topic, talking about restoring life to the body. Can anyone tell me what we talked about last week? Give me some notes. Inconsistency. Thank you, Sister Parker. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Thank you. We did, we did a wrap-up. On the topic of forgiveness, right? Forgiveness being something that you can choose to do, right? It's a choice. Um, and I will tell you that uh, it's always amazing to me. A lot of times, you know, folks look at preachers and people that are kind of up here and, you know, they're teaching and just kind of like, oh, you know, prestige and some people you know they'll take that and they use it for the wrong reasons but i will tell you if you're doing it the right way i can promise you that everything you attempt to encourage the body of christ with you can rest assured there's going to be some things that comes your way to test whether or not you believe and you're willing to live what you're saying. You know, talking about forgiveness, it's one of those things, you know, it's it's easy to say it. But man, when it comes your way, especially when you're the one talking about it, you know, got to be prepared and be ready. And uh, I just thank God because... A lot of times I look at situations in my own life, you know, and I and I start to examine and I say, man, I can't help but see I just relate it to our relationship with God. You know, sometimes things happen and, you know, you you feel like, oh, I, I've been wronged or whatever the case may be. And you feel like, oh, this shouldn't be that way. And, and the first thing you're not willing to forgive. Right. Because that was just messed up. But then I start thinking, and I say, man, I wonder how many times we offended God. You know, we, we think that we should be done right, but how many times have we done God wrong? And then yet he's still merciful. You know, he never condones wrong, but he's always willing to forgive and make it right. And that's what I love about God. And that's why it's one of those things. It's a daily journey. As a child of God, it's a daily thing. That's what Paul said. You got to fight daily. You know, we're going to get into one of these topics talking about impulsiveness, because usually when you get offended, some things happen. And we'll talk about that, you know, as the weeks go by. But, you know, it's a daily fight. And you've got to be willing to fight because if you don't fight, see, it's easy to give in. That's taking the easy way out. And the problem with that is life doesn't get easier with that. You're trying to take the easy way out to alleviate the issues of life, but the issues of life, the Bible lets us know that comes out of the heart, right? And so if you don't fix your heart, you don't fight to do what's right, you're going to continue to have issues. 
right? So it's important, you know, we talk about these things and, you know, at some point as children of God, we have to be at a point where we're willing not only to sit and spectate and, you know, just kind of just come with hands out, like I mentioned last week, but being willing to be engaged. Okay, God, so I hear your word coming forth. I, I see what you're doing. I feel you in the atmosphere. I see things going on around me. I know obviously you're trying to get a hold of me. What is it that you want me to accomplish? Where do you want to position me? What do you want to do through me? Being active, right, as a child of God. Because if you're living, there's some activity, right? The dead can't do nothing. But if we are lively stones, right, that means we should be actively engaged. And in order to do that, that means that we have to make sure that we line up with the things that God expects from us. And this is part of bringing life back to the body of Christ. That's what we're talking about, bringing life back to the body. The enemy, we know the thief cometh but not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, right? That is his intent, to destroy. Guess what? His intent is to kill you, to kill the body. And so there are certain things that he allows or that he, you know, tries to present to us in the form of what I like to call parasites that attack the body of Christ. The greatest way to destroy something that is strong is to do it from the inside. And that is what the enemy is doing to the body or attempting to do to the body of Christ is to destroy it from the inside. And these are things that we're talking about, you know, talking about forgiveness and inconsistency. These are the things that are going to destroy us if we don't get a handle on it, if we don't do something to fix those things. And it's not just on a one time, you know, one event, you know, I, I get a good feeling when the music stops and you no longer have all those people that you fellowship with and the things that make you feel good, are you still willing to line up and do it, what it takes to live the life that God is expecting us to live? So last week, you know, we talked about some of the symptoms of inconsistency. and We, uh, we got on nutrient deficiency, which is basically lacking the spiritual uh, nutrients, the vitamins and minerals of God's word. Okay, I like to correlate some things from the natural to the spiritual because I think they relate. So you know what vitamins and minerals do. They kind of help your body, help you be strong, right? And um, and as a result, you're able to function. And so it's the same thing spiritually, the word of God. Jesus told the enemy when he was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, he says, you know, when the devil tried to tempt him, he says, you know, Turn these stones into bread. He knew Jesus had already fasted 40 days and 40 nights, right? So he knew he was hungry. Hey, Jesus, man, you got the ability to turn these stones into bread. But what did Jesus say? How did he respond? It is written, right? That was the first thing he mentioned was it is written. Then he told him what, what was written. And it wasn't that the devil didn't know. But see, Jesus, when he spoke the word, he spoke it with authority. And that's the beautiful thing about being a Christian is when you get into the word of God, when you start speaking it, you can speak with authority because you've been given authority by Jesus Christ. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every Word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. So that means that the only way for us to truly live is to take in the word of God. That's why you have to have a personal devotion, you know, kind of like I tell my children. At some point, you've got to decide. You've got to set time aside on your own and establish personal devotion. You can't wait to 
you know, till you come on Sunday. You can't wait till you go on Wednesday. You can't wait until family devotion time in the morning, and that's that's your only source. I mean, those are good things to do, but at the end of the day, what do you have that sustains you? God has given word to the man of God and to the women of God and those that are being used in ministry and leadership, so on and so forth, and, and that's great. But what is God speaking to you in your personal relationship? We talked about incoherency, which is basically being disjointed, disconnected. And a lot of that happens from a lack of prayer, and that's one of the things that we talked about. You know, the Bible talks about men ought always to pray and not to faint, right? Now, does that mean that, you know, we have the ability and the leverage to get on our knees for 24 hours a day every day? Some folks can't even spend an hour on their knees praying. So to give them 24 hours, you're going to hear most people respond, what do I pray about? Now, here's what's interesting. Think about this now. We will ask that question. But if we were to engage in a conversation philosophically, theologically, politically, economically, Right? We would engage in conversation about the issues of life. What's going on in our third world countries? What's going on in politics and leadership and what's happening? What's going on with the economy, right? How it rises and falls. What's going on in our communities where folks are, you know, lives are being taken. People are doing things that just, you know, you don't make sense, right? Right. And then let's talk about how many issues we have within the church. Can I, can I say this? I'm so sick and tired of God's people killing one another because they can't keep control of their tongue. Really? What is so fulfilling about me coming to you and talking about sister so-and-so and how jacked up they are in their lives. Right. What did that solve? Nothing. All that did was mess you up now because you're carrying the same baggage I'm carrying. And what did I just do to you? Now you look at that individual a different way. You probably had no idea, no clue. But now that I've shared that information with you, now what? Now you got two people carrying the same baggage, and not one has taken it to God. Because guess what happens now? Speculation starts to happen because, you know, y'all remember that telephone game where you pass one message along, right? Before you know it, the message is all different by the time it gets to... You got bitter feelings and everything else because something's been passed along. Somebody probably didn't even know what they were talking about. This is some of the stuff that's damaging the body. Because like I said last week, what are we supposed to do? The scripture encourages us to go and confess our faults one to another. But I ain't telling half the folks in the church nothing because some of those folks don't know how to keep their mouth closed. Is this too strong? Prayer is one of those things that we communicate with God. It's an opportunity to communicate with God. Please understand, it's an opportunity. So so think about this. With all the issues that we could think about, it's amazing how many thoughts you conjure up in your mind. How the brain works, right? So if you get into it scientifically, they'll tell you how many thoughts, you know, average, how many thoughts you have in a day per second, whatever the case may be. So can you really honestly say you have nothing or you can think of nothing to pray about? If anything, we should be saying, man, there's not enough time in the day. 
Right? What would happen? This, honestly, this is something that really burns in my heart. This really burns in my heart. And even for me, when I examine myself, I'm like, okay, God, yeah, I want to do better with that. I want to do better with that. What would happen if the people of God really took the time? Remember what I said. Sometimes God allows you to see things because you can go and intercede. That's the power of intercessory prayer is you are you are reaching out to God on behalf of someone else and what they have, what they need. That's intercession. And then God is able to intervene because somebody is reaching out on behalf. Because here's, here's the thing. Here's what we don't see. Sometimes the, per, the person that has the issue may not be reaching out to God. But on our behalf, those of us who are interceding, God is still able to move. He won't move against our free will. But if somebody else is praying on our behalf, how do I know that? I was an example of that. If it hadn't been for the prayers of the saints, those who were seeking God on my behalf when I didn't want anything to do with godliness. And God rescued me. Because he honored the prayers of the saints. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So what would happen? Can you imagine the impact we would have? Can you imagine the unity? Some of the stuff, you know, we try is, you know, try to force feed. I can sit here and yell at you all day about unity and all that other stuff. But until we start doing the things, putting into practice. That's what's going to bring about that true change. And it starts with things like this, like praying. As trivial as it may seem, you know, a lot of folks don't want to pray anymore. Some services, some churches now don't even have prayer service before their services. Prayer meeting. Oh, we got prayer meeting again. Thank God for those who pray because our nation would be in a whole lot worse state if it wasn't for folks who was praying. We are only successful, as successful as we are as a country, because there are some folks that are still reaching out to God. Thank God for that. So prayer is important. But when you start being inconsistent in your prayer life, think about this, brothers and sisters. You may feel like your life is okay. You don't really have anything that you need in your life. But is prayer all about you? Last time I checked, you know, if you picked up your phone and you called somebody, it's a two-way conversation, right? Or it should be. Don't, <laughs> nobody want no one-way conversation, right? What was your purpose of calling me again? After a while, that friendship probably won't last too long. If that's, that's all the calls I get is just one-way conversation. I'm going to tell you about it. everything I want to tell you about. But I ain't going to give you no opportunity. When you pray, sometimes it's God speaking to you. In prayer. You know, sometimes the messages I get, it's in prayer. Songs that I get, sometimes it just comes in prayer. I'm in prayer and I'm like, wow, God, that was awesome. Sometimes just taking that moment to seek the face of God and you may be in the middle of something and you just need some encouragement. And next thing you know, it's not like anything changed, you know, it, your, your, your finances and you just need, you know, a financial blessing and you just... Just praying, just seeking the face of God, and next thing you know, God gives you some encouragement. It's not that any any additional money hit the bank, but you just got it. He just increased your faith. Lord, I know you're able to give it to me. If if you don't, I'm still gonna praise you. I'm just enjoying this time right now. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the motivation. And like I said. 
If you can't think of anything else to pray for, look around you. It's amazing. Our nation is in such turmoil right now because of this whole election. I'm not speaking politics from the platform because we don't do that, but just think about it. When you look in the news and you see people, you know, damaging businesses and taking lives and all these other crazy things, you know, just because they're disgruntled about the decision that was made. They're doing a recount. People are torn up. Now, how many times have we done elections? I mean, has it changed? So we definitely need to pray. But when you're inconsistent in your prayer life, just think about how many souls are in the balance and how many you can be interceding for. Because if you don't have anything to pray for for yourself or you think you don't have anything to pray for for yourself, just consider. If your prayer is the one thing that's going to stand in the gap and rescue another lost soul, is it worth skipping over? Sometimes we don't get the opportunities to pray for 30 minutes for an hour. I got it. But even five minutes. Because the time it takes you to take a shower and brush your teeth and shave and get dressed, I guarantee you, that's at least five minutes. You could have said a prayer right there. That's good. Fasting is another thing, and we talked about fasting. Fasting is one of those things. It's not so that you can punish yourself. It's, it's not meant of you know. It's not meant to be one of those things where you self-inflicted pain just so I can torture myself. That's not what fasting is about. <laughs> now, I know that some people use fasting as a method of trying to lose weight, and actually medical professionals will tell you that that's not the most effective way to try to lose weight. They actually encourage you the opposite, that if you eat more meals, smaller meals, smaller portions, you can't have cornbread and pork chops and <laughs> ribs and for all six meals, you <laughs> arteries ain't going to be there. But <laughs> small portions. And then they tell you there's certain things that you can eat, salad, fruits, and all that other stuff. So they tell you smaller portions more frequently. You know, at least six times a day is what they tell you. And most people are, oh, six meals in a day, man, I don't think I can handle it. Well, that's kind of the, the, the intent is that when you eat more frequently, your body doesn't get hungry, which means that, it won't react the way it does because when your body gets hungry, whatever you take in, it starts storing away just in case it has to wait a long time again. And that's how fat and all that stuff builds up. And so when you're feeding it frequently, the body says, oh, I'm getting what I need. I'm, I'm good to go. I'll get rid of all the other crazy stuff and we're good to go. You know, that along with exercise. And that's what they tell you. But fasting is one of those things. If you're going to fast, and I try to be careful of this. If you're fasting, because this is one of those things that the scripture encourages us to do, you know, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And so it allows us an opportunity to get closer to God. How? By removing distractions, particularly the distractions that pull from the flesh. The flesh automatically desires the things that opposes God. We know that. The nature of the flesh, it's drawn. That's why the Bible says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. When lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death, right? But every man is tempted, why? Because of your own lust. And that is the nature of the flesh. That's the nature that we have taken on ever since Adam and Eve. So, fasting is one of those things where we deny the things of the flesh, and in this case, particularly talking about food, you know, and so when you deny, you take that time, but it's not just a matter of denying the flesh, but your intent is to do what? Draw closer to God. So distractions in general, which is one of those things, you know, 
I mean, it has to be something that, you know, if God is leading you, you work in a job, whatever, and you feel like God is leading you on the fast, make sure it's God. Because, you know, typically what you do at, when you're fasting is you remove yourself from all those other things that you do, your normal activities. And you set that time aside. You know, Jesus, he was in the wilderness when he was fasting. He wasn't around everybody else. He wasn't out there teaching and all that other stuff. He was away. And there were times that he would break away. That was that one-on-one time. And so as those of us who, you know, when you talk about fasting, you want to make sure that you do that properly, do that appropriately. Make sure it's something that you can do that you know I'm not going to be distracted. Sometimes you may have to turn your phone off or whatever the case may be and know that that time, that time, whatever amount of time, you know, it's really, uh, they got all kinds of different ways to fast out there, whatever the case may be. You know, so if you fasting for, you know, six hours, I guess you can fast for six hours. Okay. But whatever time frame you take, all right, make sure that that's time set aside. But it's necessary to do. That's one of the things that keeps the flesh disciplined, keeps it under subjection, is to deny the desires of the flesh. You know, sometimes if that means food so that I can gain my spiritual necessity, you know, make sure I'm not being distracted or pulled away. You know, sometimes I like to fast just to make sure, okay, God, have I strayed? Have I, you know, have I faltered from anything? This is a good time to assess because the flesh gets weak. Right. You start denying the, 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 the flesh, you know, that body, the food, the flesh gets weak. And, you know, you ever start, <clears throat> you ever had that time, that, that moment where, you know, you fasting and you start craving things you ain't never really liked. <laughs> Everything look good. A jalapeno look good to you. <laughs> I would never forget. I'll tell you this story. I <laughs> When I was I was I was uh, probably about anywhere between ten and twelve. I can't remember what age I was, but so we used to have this lock-in, the men's lock-in, and I, you know, I think back on it. I thank God for those those moments. But we used to have these lock-ins, and this particular one, I it was it was three days. This particular one, um, you know. I don't know what possessed me to go down, but I just I was like, man, I'm about to die if I don't get something. Now, this is during the summertime now, and um, <clears throat> during the summertime, uh, before we started, before we did it, we used to have this vac- vacation Bible school, and during vacation Bible school, they used to have this, uh, I don't know how they did the services where they bring these lunches for all the kids, you know, in vacation Bible school, and so some of the extras would be stored in the freezer, and they had the milks, you know, so you get crates of milk and the food, man, it was pretty awesome, but anyway, his kids version of MRE. But uh <laughs> But they had the milk in the freezer and so I you know, I went down, it was like the second day and I was like, Man, I gotta get something. So I went down to the freezer, tried to be smooth, got this milk. Now mine just the second day I ain't had nothing now. No drink, no food. That's that's the way we did it when I was growing up. We had no drink, no food. And so we Took some milk, you know, whatever I could get out of it. It was frozen, but I got a little bit out of there. That was the worst mistake. If I can imagine, if I can imagine being on this, if you go on a boat and, you know, you get nauseated, if you don't take that drama meal or whatever they have, they say when you get seasick and you out, that's it. There's no turning back. I can imagine that's how I was. That's the only thing I could, I could think of that might, you know, I was hurting. When you are fasting, <laughs> one of the things we used to do, though, I appreciate it. One of the things we used to do, we used to, you know, there were every three hours or so, we would get together, we would pray, we'd sing, we'd have devotions, so on and so forth, throughout that whole time. And so by the time you left, your body may have been weak, but spiritually, you felt more connected to God than before. And so that's the purpose, that's the intent of fasting. That's what should be the result. 
when you're done fasting, you know, for whatever length of time. Um, and again, like I said, if you, you know, you feel like God is calling you to fast, make sure it's God calling you to fast. You going to work and you doing all these other normal activities. Make sure it's God is calling. Cause if he's, if he's calling you to do that fast in the things that you, that you're having to do, then God will give you the strength to do what you need to do. And you really need to make sure God is calling you to fast. If you're talking about 40 days and 40 nights, make sure it's God speaking to you. Fasting is biblical, but we can be unwise if we ain't listening to the voice of God. Amen. Going off our own ambitions. You might want to fast 40 days and nights, but you better make sure it's God telling you to do it. You be somewhere laid out, passed out, and that's it. Hopefully you went home to Jesus. But I encourage you, make sure it's God telling you to do that in the first place. Amen. Obedience. Can I talk about that for a moment? We are living in a society where we have a bunch of people who feel like they know it all. Don't want to listen to nobody. Now, that's the condition of the world. But when you have that in the church. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You got folks that will go to pastors and ask them about, you know, advice for relationships and then turn around and get into the same relationship that they asked the pastor about. That the pastor said, I don't recommend you do that. So when you start having issues, then whose fault is that? Yeah, y'all know it's pastor's fault. That's what they say. Have it all out in the newspapers. It's pastor's fault. You know, I, I I marvel at people who will go and take the time, take time out of their schedule and yours to come seek advice. Now, I have seen this many times. Come seek advice and then go back and do the total opposite. So I always ask the same question. What was your point of asking me in the first place? You might as well not would have asked me. I see the situation. This, this is how I operate. This is just me. You might be in a messed up situation. But if you're too prideful to come and ask for help, I will pray for you. But don't expect me to go out my way to tell you anything. Right? See, I told y'all, you know, you get these preachers and stuff, they're supposed to be doing magic. No, it's not like that. I love a man of God who will use wisdom, you know, because it's the man of God, but he's going to move based upon what God tells him to do when he tells him to approach it. If it's something that needs to be addressed, and God is telling him, then he'll move. If God ain't telling him, he might see your situation. He's praying. He's like, Lord, yeah, okay, you got it, Lord. Because I can't do no more than what you can do right now with the, the situation they're in. They are headstrong on doing what they want to do. And that's, what, that's the kind of folks that we have in the body of Christ right now. And it's, it's amazing to me how many folks will call someone their pastor but won't listen to what they're telling them. So what's my point? What's the pastor's point of preaching the truth to you if you ain't going to listen anyway? Why are you calling him pastor? He ain't your pastor because you ain't listening. Can I take it a step further? Why are you calling the one true God your God when you ain't listening to him? He ain't your God. Bible says my sheep know my voice. If you ain't listening, apparently you don't know his voice. Or you ignoring it. Either way, you ain't getting the message. So how is, your, how is he your God? 
Know your God is becoming what it is that you submit yourself to. And the Bible lets us know that. Know you not to whom you yield yourself servants to, to obey. Didn't the scriptures say that? That's who you're serving. That's what the scripture said. So you can't say you serve God and then you're sinning. Which one is it? Is it sin or is it God? See, this is the truth, y'all. Obedience is one of those things that's killing folks spiritually. Look at what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. Did they know what they were supposed to do? Yes. Did they know what not to touch? Yes. They knew eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil was wrong, right? Yes. Did they eat from it? Yes. Was that obedience? No. That's kind of clear cut, right? Y'all know when y'all talking to kids, <laughs> little kids, and you be like, Johnny, don't, don't go in that cookie jar and get another cookie. Next thing you <laughs> turn around the corner and they mouth full of something, and you see crumbs by the cookie jar. <laughs> Johnny, did you take a cookie? No. <laughs> now what, when you realize, when you find out that Johnny took that cookie, to you, he did what? He lied and he disobeyed. His action was disobedience, right? Clear cut. That's what happens. When we are sinning, it's a matter of disobedience. When we choose to do things that are in opposition to God, that is disobedience. And that, my brothers and sisters, is probably going to be the underlining thing that destroys mankind. Those of us who don't make it, it's going to be because we chose to disobey God. Check this out. You don't have to know the doctrine and the scriptures to know that something is morally wrong. It's something that is put in us. So to know that adultery is wrong, why do you think folks hide when they're fornicating? Why are they so secretive? Now, I know we live in a society now where everybody's embracing all this crazy mess. But there was a time in society where that was unacceptable. If you weren't married, that was unacceptable. Now, just because society changed don't mean the morals change. Doesn't mean that God's standard changed. Fornication is still wrong, right? Fornication is sex outside of marriage. So if you're single and you're having sex, you're wrong. If you Now, if you married to somebody and you sleeping with somebody else, you're wrong. That's adultery. You know what amazes me when we watch young people and they, you know, we find out, oh, so-and-so is pregnant. Why are you surprised? Remember all those times you were laughing and giggling? Oh, they look so cute together. Oh, they just messing around. They just love birds. Okay. All right. I'm going to move on. <laughs> Worship. You know, worship is not the 10 o'clock or 10.30 service. They call it praise and worship service. But if that is the extent of your worship, then tell me something. Who's more righteous? All those Hindus and Buddhists and Muslims or Muslim, however you say it, or the Christians. Because guess who's living that on a daily basis? They believe what they believe, and their whole life is centered around that. So if the extent of worship is a few good songs, right? A nice little sermon. We like to call it nice little 
sermon message that the pastor, oh, pastor, you just gave that sermon. What I talk about, I don't remember, man, but you sure appreciate it. <laughs> we check the block again. Worship is your life. Everything we do as Christians should be a reflection of our worship to God. Because the worship is, it mirrors your relationship with God. So if your worship is inconsistent, then that tells the type of relationship you have with God. You know, it's it's it can't be I'm clapping and and rejo- you know, sometimes the body doesn't feel good. I got that. You got some physical things that happen sometimes and you're not able to so those are physical limitations. But the condition of your heart should not change. It shouldn't be volatile. It shouldn't fluctuate like that. Now, circumstances and conditions around us change, but there has to be some consistency. In our relationship with God. And that consistency equals progression. The more consistent I am in my worship to God, the more I continue to progress, regardless of the situations and circumstances that surround me. Some people will use their conditions as an excuse to evade true worship. Some people will make themselves spiritual victims as a means of alleviating the responsibility that we have as Christians to worship God. So if somebody has offended you, who was that somebody? Was it God? Because if it wasn't God, then what should change? What changes about your worship? What changes about your relationship with him? Some folks are quick to blame God for everything that goes wrong and give him very little credit about everything that goes right. I heard somebody make the comment just a week ago. Said love messed me over. It's not the term that they use, but. Basically, that's the message they were giving. I had to, I said, no, 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 no. I said, no. I said, here's the problem with society. All these things that are done in the name of love. <clears throat> I said, it wasn't love that messed you over. There are individuals that might have done wrong to you. But love don't behave that way. <clears throat> the Bible lets me know that God is love. God is not willing that any should perish or be destroyed. People of God, if we are going to give a message to the world about who we are, then we have to be consistent in our worship. When we come into the house of God, that should be the culminating point of what we've already been doing Throughout the week and throughout the months. By the end of the year, when we close the year out, it's not a matter of, oh, man, I got to set a new resolution because, you know, I started off okay, but then I veered off at some point. And this is this is where, you know, because we're talking about all this stuff. and you're like, Oh, man, that sounds great. Yes, it can happen. You can do it. We can accomplish those things, but not in our own ability. This is why we need the spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what helps us stay consistent, helps us stay on track. The Word of God is helping us so we have direction. We know which way we're supposed to go, how we're supposed to live, so on and so forth. And the Spirit empowers us to actually live those things out. So in order to keep from being incoherent spiritually, we've got to make sure we stay strong in our prayer life. Make sure we continue to fast. Fasting is one of those methods of self-examination, obedience, obeying the word of God, obeying the truth. If it's the truth, if the word of God says it, it's truth. Obey it. Worship. That's your entire life. Praise is included in your worship. How you speak to folks is included in your worship. What, what, do you, what does your conversation consist of? 
What things do you pursue? What's most important in your heart? That's a reflection of worship. So I can't get too much into that. But you pretty much know you've heard worship before. And the Bible says they that worship him must do what? Worship him in spirit and in truth. So you got to got to have the spirit, right? You got to have the truth. And they're not two separate things. They're all one. Okay? But if we're going to worship, we've got to worship consistently in truth and in the spirit. Another symptom of inconsistency is social anxiety. And I actually, I was looking this up, and they have some interesting things that talk about social anxiety. Uh, it's actually a disorder. And uh, basically, social anxiety... How is represents people who are afraid to gather with other people because of fear of being judged or looked at a certain way. So I'm afraid to get around a crowd because I don't want you to look at me as being weird or, you know, look at me as being outcast, whatever the case may be. I so in order to keep me from being judged in a certain way, I'll just stay to myself. And honestly, we have we have a lot of that that takes place. You know, you ever have those moments where you and I and I used to be that way. You you know, you say, Oh, we're gonna have a fellowship. Man, I ain't about to go around all these people, man. Fellowship with who? I ain't about to talk I'm not about to become your next subject. Now, can I talk about fellowship, though? Fellowship is one of those things that, you know, a lot of times it just goes to the extent of we sit down, we eat, we laugh, and we joke, and we talk about, you know, random stuff, right? And we say, man, we had good fellowship, But I have a different perspective on fellowship. Fellowship to me with Christians, we talk about fellowship and with those of like faith. Fellowship to me should end by accomplishing glorifying God. If I have not glorified God in my fellowship with my brothers and sisters, then what do we just fellowship in the spirit of? This is how I look at it. Now, there are times, you know, you got family, you know, you sit down as a family. I'm not saying that you sit there and you, well, let's open our Bibles, you know, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, because this is going to be the extent of our conversation. Sometimes you're going to talk about other matters, you know. There are family matters, there are things that you talk about from time to time. But, you know, when we get together as a church body, because let's, let's look at it, brothers and sisters, do you not know that sometimes, you know, when you, especially when you start mentioning food, you get visitors. That's just, you know, that's a miracle right there, man. I don't know. That's just powerful right there. You just start mentioning food and people start showing up. <laughs> I do want to put the disclaimer out there that there were already 5,000 that was there before Jesus made all them fish and bread. All right, so anyway, uh, but when we get visitors, you got to take into consideration that the people that are visiting are listening to your conversation. They are examining the type of conversation you're having. So what's the extent of your conversation? What is the content of your conversation? What are you really talking about? You start getting together, you start talking about a whole bunch of politics, you start talking about, you know, all the issues in the world. And what did you do for that lost soul that was just down there in the midst of your fellowship with your brothers and sisters? What really took place? Was God really glorified? You just sat there and complained. Oh, my back. Man, it takes so much to come up here and it, but it don't take me alone to get downstairs and get some of this fried chicken. But man, sitting there for that whole time, I could sit here and talk to you for hours about what's wrong in my life, but I can't sit for 
uh, 30 minutes and listen to the message that's being preached. So then, was God really glorified in that? We want to live, right? As a body, we want to live. These are things that we have to be mindful of. I, I'm one of those things, I'm one of those people where I just, you know, these, this is the way I look at stuff, and this is how I examine myself. Man, you know, conversations I have at work, I have to stay, I have to look and say, okay, God, did I, oh, man, what was the extent of my conversation? Oh, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I changed this, you know, maybe I should have just avoided this whole thing, or whatever the case may be. Okay, God, I, I'm continuing to work on this. Because I want to bring credit to you. How much more so in our fellowship with one another? Because it's supposed to be, we're supposed to leave edified, built up, right? Encouraged, ready to go on. Man, by the time we leave fellowship, every fellowship we have, we should be that much stronger as a body. We should be that much more united. We should be that much more engaged, ready to do things. Wow, I'm ready to go on for God. I'm ready to do some mighty, you know, some great things. What else can I do? Pastor, what else can I do? I'm excited about what God is doing here. But if all I did was complain, I left beat up. I left discouraged. Well, we all got problems. We'll get through it somehow. <laughs> Man, I got to stop here, but look. <clears throat> we'll pick up. Uh, is it next week? Yeah, next week is the last one before the Christmas holiday. Amen. But we we need to work on, and we'll talk about some more about that. We'll wrap it up, uh, Lord willing, next week. Want to be? In, we want to be consistent. We're going to talk about what we can use to be consistent in the things of God. Uh, hopefully next week. Thank you for your word, God. Help us touch our hearts and our minds. Help us, O oh God, to continue to strive to be better and to do better, Lord, as you have called us to do, Lord. And may you be glorified in everything in Jesus' name. We're going to take this break and get ready for our dynamic service in Jesus' name. God bless you.